Hi, hello. Welcome to another edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. It is Josh Bow, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyball.com, coming to you after an absolutely wild 120-116 Dallas Mavericks win over the NBA's best team, the Milwaukee Bucks. The Mavericks have beaten Milwaukee at home. It's the second home loss for Milwaukee. They have snapped the Bucks' 18-game winning streak, and they did it all without Luka Doncic. Just an absolutely absurd game all around. I'm still trying to process how exactly the Mavericks were able to pull it out, especially after the chaos that was the last minute of the game that lasted about 85 years in real time. I'm joined by Jeff Cooperstein, who is filling in, uh, joining in instead of Kirk. Kirk uh, taking a little siesta as he's trying to recuperate uh, from going hard in the paint uh, here on the site for like the last month and a half. So, Coop, uh, what do you got, man? What you, I mean, this is like the craziest win the Mavericks have had in like four years. Just what are your immediate thoughts? First of all, I just want to make sure everyone's okay. Everyone's still breathing. Everyone's alive because I know it was a little touch and go there in the last minutes of the game. Um, I thought the game was wrapped up when they were up 15 with three and a half minutes left, and I thought I could cruise and pack up my stuff and get ready to leave. Um, but that clearly wasn't the case, and they almost blew it. I mean, after they missed it, I, I knew when, when Milwaukee was, missed that free throw that Milwaukee was getting that offensive rebound. I'm just so glad Porzingis made a play on the ball and actually blocked it off of Sterling Brown, and the Mavs got the ball back. Um, but, man, I mean, what a win without Luka Doncic. For my money, the best win of the year. Um, you know, I don't. It, I was thinking, does it? Does it? Is the win less meaningful that they almost choked it away? Um, I don't think so because of the impact of it without Luka Doncic, especially, and beating the NBA's best team on their home floor. Um, so yeah, it was a great win. Definitely nerve-wracking at the end. And yeah, I mean, the Mavs live to see another day. It's just just a huge win and all. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, not only is it their best win of the season, I mean, it might be their most impressive win since 2015 like i mean if we think about oh yeah absolutely yeah if we think about like the tanking years and and just how meaningless basketball felt at least the games and the results have felt here for the last four or so years like the mavericks being a good team this year and then yeah just being able to beat this bucks team which which feels like this bucks team you would think has all the counters to what dallas likes to do just with you know, with Giannis and with Middleton um, and with the length and the size that they have, that they can guard the rim and get out to shooters. You would just think Milwaukee. I almost wonder if Milwaukee came into this game just not as mentally prepared to play as they should have been knowing Luka was out. I wonder if they thought this was going to be an easy game for them. And say what you will about yeah, Dallas. I, they, I, I think, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that might have a part of it. And that, uh, for the most part, it seems to me, obviously, Giannis got his and was an absolute monster tonight. But it seemed for the most part that the Mavs contained uh, the Bucks role players pretty well. I don't have the box score in front of me. I know Giannis just went off and carried that team tonight. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was a pretty good good, good team uh, game defensively until the last three minutes when, when the Bucks just stormed back. Yeah, I mean, it's so weird to say, you know, Giannis had 48 points on 31 shots, but I almost – they played him well. Like, it, it, yeah, they, 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 didn't, they didn't play him awfully. They didn't. Uh, yeah, they they uh, they packed the paint when he was outside the three point line, which gave him, you know, he was one of six from three, which helped a lot. 
But of course, that kind of gave him a run start, like a running start, like a runway to the rim, and he took advantage of that. But the Mavs didn't really double him, and he only had four assists and three turnovers. So really, it was just kind of like they just kind of let Giannis do what he could against single coverage, and they just they were like, none of these role guys are going to beat us. We're going to stay home for the most part. You know, Kyle Korver was the only guy that did anything outside of Giannis. I mean, Giannis goes 18 of 31 from the field. Scores forty eight points and the Bucks still shoot forty one about forty two percent from the field overall twenty seven percent from three so I, I feel like this was a really sound game plan you know the Mavs were just kind of like all right let him go one on one see what he does but let's not yeah. let him get easy passes out to the corner or out to the wing because that's where the Bucks really thrive is having Giannis kind of the, being the tip of the spear and, and passing out to all the three point shooters that they have so many shooters. So it was good to see the Mavs kind of stay home on those guys. I can tell you what I don't miss. I don't miss seeing Wesley Matthews break threes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that one that he had, I think, with like five minutes left or six minutes left that didn't yeah. that went right yeah. over the rim. Uh, definitely I've gave seen me some. One a couple. Yeah, that definitely gave me some like PTSD. Um, but when we look at what the Mavs did, um, aside from the defense, I want to talk about Kristaps Porzingis because this might be his most impressive performance so far this season 26 points 12 rebounds four assists two blocks four three-pointers on eight attempts nine and 19 overall just looked so much more comfortable so so much springier so much more decisive with his action like he he didn't meander too much with the ball in his hands he kind of got the ball and made a move made an action had a couple of really nice passes out of the post where I thought I was like oh no oh no oh no because he I thought he was going to take a one of his bad post-ups and then he would kick it out to the open guy. And uh, Seth had a good four point play off of Kristaps post-up, which was just really great to see him make the right reads and just be decisive. Like that just feels like he didn't think, you know, three steps ahead when he touched the ball, he just kind of did what the defense gave him. And those back to back, like, f- like 30 foot plus bombs, uh, that kind of, Oh my God. Uh, it was wild. It was yeah, just so that, awesome. absolutely. Yeah, that got me super fired up, especially on the second one from thirty. He just—I mean, he let it fly, and it was—it was cash money. And so, yeah, that was awesome. Um, what I don't really subscribe to the theory that that Luca being out will make Porzingis better on offense. I don't necessarily subscribe to that because I don't think they're going to force the Porzingis the ball. I don't think they really force fed him tonight. And I don't think they will when Luke is out because they just want to keep him the flow of the offense because they're playing so well on offense right now. So I don't know if Luca being out will help Porzingis make will help make him a better player on offense. I mean, maybe just by effect it will, not like naturally, you know what I mean? Um, but uh, yeah, I thought he had a great game tonight. Obviously, he al- he's always making his impact defensively. And even with those huge threes in the fourth quarter, I think his biggest play of the game was obviously the block at the end of the game where that gave the Mavericks the ball and Got him, got him a couple more free throws. Yeah, there's an alternate universe that I can picture very clearly where Kristaps uh, doesn't get that block and things go way yeah. differently. Uh, so that I'm was not great. even sure if it's an alternate universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think you made a good point about, you know, with Luka being out, they're not going to force feed him. I think Kristaps talked about that uh, after the Heat game or maybe before before this game. You know, sometime after Luca's injury, and really, you know, he took 19 shots. He led the team, but you know, Seth had 15 shots. Finney Smith had 11. Tim Hardaway Jr. had 10. Brunson had nine. Like it wasn't an overwhelming amount. It just felt like 
Lucas shots were just kind of distributed up a little bit more. And it felt like most of his shots came within the rhythm of the offense. It wasn't a lot of isolation, prayer kind of heaves. Like he kind of caught the ball in rhythm and caught it on the move, caught it in the pick and roll. And great. It was just really good to see him have that kind of confidence when the Mavericks desperately needed him. And when you think about the pressure that he has to face going on the road, playing the best team in the league without Luka, you know that Milwaukee, you know, he knows that he has to have a huge game for them to win. You know, he, it's almost like, okay, the training wheels are off. You, know, you can't use the excuse anymore about easing your way back in because you don't have Luka to kind of paper over and reward you each tonight. Uh, that's kind of the feeling I got for him to, to provide and to perform. Like, that's just great to see it and really just encourages me for what he can do the rest of the month and then close out the season. Yes, uh, absolutely. I, this, was def- this was definitely a big stepping stone for him. Um, another guy who I thought was really great tonight for the second straight game was Seth Curry. Uh, it seems like he's finally coming into his own. I know you're a huge Seth Curry guy, and too. I really wanted to see. Uh, it seemed like he was cold there a little bit for about uh, – a three or four week stretch there, um, but he was really good tonight, and he was he was really good the other night. And the Mavs are really going to need him to step up in Luca's absence because they're going to need to have they're going to need to get scoring from somewhere else. Yeah, and it's so odd because it's like I want to try to diagnose like what's the difference, what's changed, and I don't. Right. Like, I just want to say he's just doing the things that he's good at that he's supposed to, that he like he was supposed to be doing earlier. Like I don't necessarily think anything's necessarily changed in terms of how the Mavericks are using him or. Or what? It just looks like Seth just looks a little more normal. Looks more like himself. He just looked very passive uh, during that slump. Uh, just typical, not unlike him. And maybe he was just kind of adjusting to his role, and having a weird preseason with some of the the bumps and bruises he got. So I don't know. Maybe it just kind of delayed his progress for this season. The way his preseason turned out, and this is this is what we're seeing. This is what we expected. Like this is the type of performance I thought the Mavericks could get out of him because it's very similar to what he did the first go around. You know, he just, he fits what Rick likes to do so well. Like uh, uh, he's just a smart player who makes the right passes. Great shooter. He he can't be the kind of guy that can initiate an offense and and be the lead ball handler. But with, with DeLon Wright and Jalen Brunson, he never has to be that guy, you know, with Luke on the floor. Well, I I, I want to, I want to say it was at the end of the third quarter when he really had it going. Rick was giving him the keys to the offense, and he was the initiator there. It was either it was either the end of the second or the, I'm pretty sure it was the end of the third. Um, they ran a little. They ran a little for him. He started with the ball at the top, and I I I was surprised we didn't see a little more of Bray tonight. We didn't see any of him, but it looked like that. It looked like Rick gave Seth a couple of plays to run the offense just to see what would happen. Um, but I agree with you for the most part. I think he's he's better suited off the ball in this role. And he, he just fits so well with what the Mavs are trying to do, especially when Luca's on the court. Uh, obviously he wasn't there tonight, but I, I, Seth will, Seth will be fine. And we've seen these last two games, what he can bring. Yeah. And it's especially helpful because we all knew that Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to come down to earth eventually. And, and you can't expect him to play like he played against the heat. And you know that he's a, he's a streaky kind of shooter and he's going to have his off nights. And he had one tonight, one for 10, 0 of 5. And, and that almost feels like this Mavs team, it's like, it's okay. Like, it's okay for one of these role players to have a rough game because Dallas just keeps coming at you in waves. You know, it's Hardaway Jr. had a bad night. But, man, you know, Wright had a good night. Curry had a good night. Brunson had a good night. Like, Dallas just has so many guys that can pick up the slack if another guy's off. It's just... 
it's just unbelievable when you consider, you know, what we thought about them entirely, what I personally thought about them in the preseason, uh, just how much this depth is really paying off for them. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think it kind, of, it, kind of, it kind of speaks to the Mavs' depth where, uh, if, you know, if one guy doesn't have it a certain night, then another guy will step up and pick it up and pick it up on that same night. And, you, I mean, you see the Mavs truly are a 9-10 beat team right now. Yeah, and that's kind of rare in the league right now. Um, but what did you think? I want to talk about Maxi a little bit. What did you think of Maxi's game? Uh, I thought Maxi was actually pretty good tonight. I mean, he made a couple of those big threes, and he obviously always makes an impact on the defensive end. And I think he's really coming into his own. He, I think he's comfortable coming off the bench with that second unit now because they've, they've kind of established a set rotation like early in the year where no one knew what the starting lineup was. No one knew who was coming off the bench. And I just think the continuity has really helped this team grow. And I, Max, Maxie is just a perfect bench big to come off and spell Dwight for a couple of minutes, and I think they're pretty interchangeable for the most part. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, re, I really like Maxie's game for the, for the past, you know, like outside of the first 10 games, I thought he played really well this year. Yeah, he's shooting 47% from three in December. I think that's just been huge. Like, I think we all kind of knew – uh, what he could bring on the defensive end, and we knew he's pretty athletic, so we figured, you know, if he wants to be a little bit more of a rim runner, he could probably excel there. But the question was just, can he duplicate what he did the season before or maybe improve a little bit more as a three-point shooter because that just unlocks so much more potential. And so far through, you know, so many games almost to Christmas time, he's absolutely delivered that. Um, he doesn't take a lot, but he's been pretty accurate and – on this Mavs team, they just they desperately need that, and he's giving it to him. And you know, he it felt like the threes that he hit tonight were just really big momentum shots. I know that's kind of like weird and hard to quantify, just but it just felt like that. No, um, you're right. You're right. Yeah, and it's just I don't know what else to say. Like this team, I just have to re. It feels like I just have to reconsider all the things that I was thinking about with this team now because now it's like. What's the limit? You know, they they've just had picked up so many good wins against good teams. They've, I mean, they've got to win against the best teams and the best team in the West. I mean, I'm pretty. I, I don't have to be the math, but I'm pretty sure. I don't have to look at the schedule, but they're probably the only team in the NBA that's beaten Milwaukee and the Lakers. So, like, yeah, I would imagine so. And yeah, I mean, as far as expectations go, I think. I mean, I think pretty early on we we figured out that. The, the expectations were going to shift here, and they, I mean they've gone on a, a great, a great streak lately, especially with these two wins against the Lakers, and then you know they beat Houston on the road and they beat um, the Bucks tonight, and so yeah, the expectations are definitely heightening. I I don't want to put a limit on this team because who knows how far they can go? Um, can they win a series in the playoffs? Can they win two series in the playoffs? We'll see. That's obviously what remains to be seen, but I think what we know now for a fact is that this team is a playoff team, and we will see basketball past 82 games and I think that's it's just music to my ears that the Mavericks are going to be playing when it starts to get really hot in Texas and <laughs> you get the blue all in the crowd hopefully they have the blue t-shirts out there like they did um, back in the day I mean I think people forget what it's like to have playoff basketball here and it, they won't have to wait too much longer oh yeah. and also uh, enjoy, enjoy your Christmas this year because this will be the last year in about a decade and a half that the Mavericks aren't playing on Christmas <laughs> yes, exactly. They're going to be uh, the prime, the prime Christmas game, like the two thirty afternoon Christmas game. I bet next year. Um, like you talk about the expectations changing, and you're right. And it's like when the season started, it was okay. Maybe 
know, hopefully, optimistically, the Mavericks can push for an eight or seven seed and be one of those teams scrapping to, to nab one of the final playoff spots in the West. And now it's, okay, can they get home court? And it's crazy just how fast that shifted from can they make the playoffs to, okay, we know they're making the playoffs. Now how high, you know, how high up the standings can they go? And, you know, credit to just everyone on this team seemingly buying into their role and not trying to do too much. Uh, it seems like everyone just feels very confident in the type of minutes they're getting now and the type of shots they're getting and how many touches they're getting and credit to Rick Carlisle for getting the team to buy in. And especially after the really weird kind of first two weeks where Rick was really kind of thrown yeah. a lot of the wall and he even admitted it. And he talked about after a game saying how it's not easy with the way he was kind of yanking around players minutes and rotation, trying to find like a steady lineup. And now he has, and it seems like the team's all the better for it. And I just don't know what else to say. It's, it's this team keeps surprising me, and they're just they're so wildly impressive. It's just it's bananas, man. It's, I it's wish impressive. I wish I could scream from the rooftops that I think people need to know that Rick Carlisle is an elite NBA coach. No matter what Mavs Twitter tells you, this dude knows what he's doing. He's smarter than the average bear. He lets you know he's smarter than the average bear, but he knows what he's doing. He knows how to get the best out of players. We've seen it time and time again. Yes, people were frustrated with him a little early in the season. I was a little frustrated with him early in the season. But I never had any doubt in my mind that he would get this going in the right direction. I, I mean, I, I think it's just absolutely mind-blowing that some people don't like him as an NBA coach. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's just uh, that's just the noise you know that can get amplified on Twitter. And, I mean – it's it's tough because like Rick, like we all admit Rick does have his quirks, and I think some people it's just harder to, to kind of separate the quirks from, you know, how actually good of a coach he is and what he does year in and year out with rosters that are just not as talented and almost always overachieving the results with them. Dude, he got OJ Mayo and Darren Collison to forty one wins. That's all I have to know. <laughs> Exactly. Well, well, Jeff, I think that's about all I have for this game because I'm just – I know this isn't good for podcasting, but I'm just almost at a loss for words at how great this Mavericks team seems to be and just how well they're coming together right now. Is there any, any final thoughts you have before we wrap it up tonight? No, man, I'm with you. I agree. I mean, this was a great <laughs> win. It's, hopefully they can keep building on it. And I'm definitely emotionally, emotionally exhausted from that last three and a half minutes of that game and I need to go get a good sleep because they have another big test on Wednesday. Yeah, I feel like we didn't really talk too much about it, but yeah, that last minute was just like textbook. I don't want to end on a on a damper note, but that was just like textbook how to lose. Yes, it was. It, it, yeah, I think I got a couple. Except you know what? They didn't lose it, so we're okay. Yeah, right. All is well. So like you said, the Mavericks come right back. They're during this uh, really tough stretch against the East best teams. Uh, Wednesday night, they'll be playing Boston national televised game on ESPN. We will be back. It'll either be, it'll be some duo combination of myself, Jeff, or, or maybe Kirk. We will see you then again. Mavericks beat the best team in the NBA on the road. They snapped the Bucks winning streak. They win 120, 116. This is Josh Bowe. Thanks, Jeff Cooperstein, for coming on tonight, and we will see you guys Wednesday night.